Hello and welcome to Relationship Talk, the podcast hosted by Teresha Young, Relationship Master Coach. Now, each episode, we bring you an inspiring guest to help you find a deeper understanding of yourself, to set yourself up for dating, relationship, self-love and self-empowerment success. So enjoy, take notes and get ready to apply all key messages you learn today. Hello and welcome to Real Relationship Talk, the podcast hosted by yours truly, Teresha Young, Relationship Master Coach, where we have open, non-judgmental, heart-to-heart conversations about love, self-love, self-care, dating and relationships. And for this week's episode, I am being joined by the wonderful Heather Tucker. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure. Oh, I just am so excited for this conversation. I've been thinking about it all day long. <laughs> I really have done. So for those that don't know who Heather is, I'm just going to share a bit more about who she is and what she does. So Heather is a certified Christian sex coach with a passion for empowering women. As a best-selling author and expert in female sexuality, she helps women overcome sexual shame, and release their sexy confidence, both in their personal lives and relationships. Heather's personal journey includes overcoming a 12-year sexless marriage, which inspired her to help other women reclaim their sexuality and live their best lives. Her unique approach combines practical techniques with empathy and understanding, allowing her clients to feel seen and supported as they work through their challenges. With over 20 years of experience as a wife, mother to three men, and a first-time grandmother, Heather brings a wealth of wisdom and insight to her coaching. Her warmth and authenticity makes her a trusted partner for women seeking to unlock their full potential. Whether speaking at events, working one-on-one with clients, or sharing her message through her writing, Heather is committed to helping women break free from shame and embrace their sexy, confident Cells. Woohoo! Hey! Da, 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 da. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Embrace your confident, sexy selves. Absolutely love that. This is why I'm so excited for this conversation. So, Heather, that's a beautiful, beautiful introduction there. And it would be amazing if you could just share with us all a bit more about your journey and some of the key highlights and experiences that led you to being a certified Christian sex coach. Yes, I would love to. That's such a great question. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so, yes, I, I grew up in the Christian home. My father's side is Jewish. My mother's side is born again Christian. They were in the mission field, my my mom. And so when they got married, there was a lot of tension because two of those religions together is is highly unlikely and had a very high chance of divorce rate. <laughs> Uh, and so his parents, my dad's parents pulled away, my mom's parents pulled in closer. And because of that, that's how we were raised. There wasn't a lot of the Jewish faith. It was more so the Christian mm. dynamic. And as we grew into preteen, my sister and I preteen, and then got into high school and we started to feel things. Mm. In our body. <laughs> Yes, as we do. Yeah, my my sister and I, very, very close. We're only one and a half years apart. I'm the older one. 
And so I was the one that started my period first. And I was the one that started to like boys first, but she was very quick right behind me. And so we shared a lot of nights together in our room, talking about boys and talking about crushes and all of the experiences around just starting to feel these new things in, mm -hmm. in our body. We had some questions though, that our parents had not had with us as of yet. <laughs> and so my sister and I decided <laughs> together to come to my mom who we were most comfortable with. And we had recently hung out with this incredible looking buff guy that we both had a major crush on in high school. He lived right down the street and we were at the top of the hill and his house was at the bottom of the hill. <laughs> And so we could tell every single time he came in and out of the driveway. <laughs> we even used our binoculars. We like looked at oh, he's home. Oh. Yeah, we we were crazy obsessed. And so this one day he decided to invite all of the neighbor, you know, boys and girls down to his house just to hang out, have snacks and, and that kind of thing. And so we were in his house and my, my sister and I, we're in his house. Like we were so for real? <laughs> yeah, like we just couldn't believe it. And so we were sitting on his couch and he comes up, sits right in, in between us. And I think at this time, my sister was 13 or so, and I was getting close to 15. He sat right down in the middle of us and he said, look, look at both of us. Hey, uh, do either one of you girls want to give me a blowjob? Mm-hmm. Ooh. And my sister and I are like, <laughs> yeah. And so we said, no, we didn't know what the heck he was talking yeah. about. We're like, maybe later. So we go home and both her and I sit down in front of my mom and we said, Hey, so we were down at so-and-so's house and he asked us to give him a blowjob. What is that? And my mm -hmm. mom, the way that she reacted, Teresha, was like, uh, yeah, who told you that? And she was livid. She's mm. like, um, la, la, la. And she's just like in this panic mode. And we're like, whoa, like, why is mom reacting like this? <laughs> Yeah, And so she finally, the only definition that she said to my sister and I was, it's something sexual and you'll find out once you get married. So she never said the actual like describing of what it was. Mm. And so from that day forward, I felt so uncomfortable around the sex conversation because yeah. she reacted with such panic mm. and fear and anger yeah I, I took that in as wow anything sexual must be bad okay be dirty ugly this really dark kind of thing mm. and I took that experience into my adulthood with all of my boyfriends and my first marriage and even my second marriage who I'm I'm still married to now and because no one in the church had had an open conversation with us girls or guys around our sexuality, around the normalcy of what we are feeling in our bodies, our bodies changing and, and, 
and having desires and feeling aroused and wanting to touch ourselves. And like, there was just no conversation. So a lot of my personal discovery of Mm. myself came with a lot of guilt and shame. Yes. So did I touch myself in my teen years? Hell yes. Did it feel good? Oh my God. Mm. It was the best freaking thing ever. I'm like, why does it feel like this dirty thing? Why does it seem like the church doesn't want us to experience this amazing feeling? And so I took that into my marriage when I got married to my first husband. Yeah. He wanted me to touch myself in front of him, but I was not comfortable touching myself. I'm like, no, you can touch me, but (laughs) if I'm going to touch myself, it's going to be when you're at work or something like you're not going to (laughs) know. Then I'm touching myself. It was just so weird. And then when we divorced and then I got married to my now husband, Chuck, he was a virgin when I met him. Mm. So I had already had two kids for my previous marriage. So I had the experience now and it was fun, you know, to teach him. And I, I loved it. Like, I love the fact that I was able to show him like certain things and, and he was very curious and he didn't ever make me feel judged for Mm. any experience that I ever wanted to have but because I still wasn't fully comfortable in my own sexuality because of that repression over the years from the church kind of upbringing I didn't bring in a lot of even the conversation about like hey I would really like to experience this what do you think about this or I I still didn't feel comfortable touching myself (laughs) Yeah, in front of him for years. And so that dynamic, because of my experience, that is what ended up as part of the reason why my husband and I became sexless Mm. Christian marriage. So both of us are are believers. We know what the Bible says about coming together and we know what it says that, that we shouldn't deny each one, you know, one another. So we know all of that but we still allowed those 12 years of no sex to, to happen. And when we came out on the other side of that, in my mind, I said to myself, I cannot let another woman, another man go through what I went through. Mm -hmm. When I started to be vocal about it, you cannot believe how many messages I received from the Christian community, some positive, like, thank God, someone's finally talking about it. Please yeah. help. Like, please help me. Yeah. So I, that was one side. But then the other side, including my own church that we were going to said, you can't talk about that. Oof. You can't okay. you can't talk about sex on your Facebook because the church follows around. They, they, they know everything, what you're doing on social media. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Their thought process is like, we want to protect the body of, believers so whatever their experiences around sexuality they tend to bring that into their body that they are leading and again they're just it's like a domino thing over the years you're it's like they're uncomfortable and then they're making their people uncomfortable and then their kids are uncomfortable and it's just this whole generational thing from the beginning of time you know yeah <laughs> no one's comfortable yet christians are one of the highest divorce rate couples in America, at least, I'm not sure about other countries. Uh, And Christians also in the USA, they are the ones that are having the least 
amount of pleasure. And I know it's because of all this guilt and shame that we're walking around in around our sexuality and pleasure and and stuff. So, so now I've been doing this, uh, helping other couples, men and women for a little over 10 years now. Mm. And I cannot begin to tell you how amazing the transformation is not only in a couple's marriage in their bedroom, but what I teach them and, and all the strategies that I learned inside my own marriage that I'm then passing down, it's impacting not only their marriage in a positive way, but how they're raising their kids. They're more yeah. open with conversations with their kids. They're more open to having conversations with people at work if any question comes up. Mm -hmm. So I feel like not only have I provided myself this amazing transformation, but I'm also helping to unlock this sense of freedom within men and women, both in and out of the bedroom. Wow, that is such an incredible journey and experience that you had from childhood all the way up to your adulthood. And it's really interesting when we think about just how much our parents can influence our decision-making going forward. In that one moment, everything can change. In that one moment when you spoke to your mom about the blowjob, suddenly your whole perspective on what sexuality means, pleasure and change, in that one moment. And it was carried into your next relationships. So... Just going back to your experience then, because you said it was a 12-year sexless marriage that you had. Yeah. Now, was there a catalyst that, stopped, that triggered it, that triggered that sexless period? And I'm really curious to know, how did you move into, <laughs> into having sex again? How was that possible? It was a very long, long, dark journey. <laughs> A lot of me going to bed every single night, crying myself to sleep, you know, losing hope, starting to even question God himself, because how could you let this happen, God? If you say sex is important in a marriage, why are you allowing this to happen? I've been praying about this for years. Mm -hmm. So not only did I begin to question the marriage and divorce came up, but I also started to question my relationship with God too, because, you know, I, I knew that sex was important. So, you know, but what happened was, yes, there was a, there was a definite catalyst. Um, it took a long time though, for us to realize where that started, because mm-hmm. when you're married and you're together every day and days start to blend into days, you don't really, unless you're super intuitive and 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 like mindful and you're so in tune with where your marriage is at every single second of the day <laughs> yeah and and I don't I don't run into any couples where they're that in tune every day you know there are couples that they might realize stuff after a couple of months and that's still pretty good I, I think um but we didn't realize it and we also were taught in the church <laughs> that therapy is reading the bible instead of going to outside help. So we didn't think that that was an option either. We didn't think that that was something as a believer that that we could do. And because we don't have any training at that time, we didn't have any training in how to fix stuff. We just kind of haphazardly would try different things and that didn't work. And then there would be more frustration and all that. But for us, what happened was our sex life with my second husband 
oh my God, it was so good. And because yeah. he was so open to me training him, you know, if you will, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, he was like, yeah, let's whatever you want to do. Like, I just want to make you happy. I want to please you and all of that. And so I was so happy for the first couple of years. Then we decided to have our own baby together. Mm-hmm. And the making of the baby was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> the <laughs> climaxes were mm-hmm. incredible in the beginning, but then we had one miscarriage and that happened in about four months. Mm-hmm. Then we got pregnant again and same thing at almost five months, another miscarriage, no explanation. The second one, they did the, the, um, I don't, I don't remember what they call it, but where they operate on the, the fetus that comes out and they try and determine what came up for that. So we tried to figure it out, but we never, we never could, but both, both of the hearts stopped beating Mm -hmm. with no explanation. So I had, I had no idea what, what, what happened, but those two miscarriages were so traumatic. Yeah. Because we had already started to feel things. And of course, I I mean, almost five months I'm showing. So I was already in pregnancy clothes and, and everything, yeah. you know. And so when those happened, I went into a very deep, dark pit of despair. There, there's a Bible verse that actually talks about how God rescues us from our pit of despair. <laughs> but we have to be the one that reaches our hand out and asks for him to pull us out. Well, for me during that time, I didn't want to talk to God. I said, you allowed this to happen twice. Mm -mm. I don't think so. I don't want to talk to you. Yeah. And so I felt like I just walked away. I'm like, I stopped reading my Bible. I stopped going to church. I stopped even like waking the kids up to go to church on the weekend, took them out of youth group. Like we just stopped going for almost a year and then finally around the eight month point or so I started to feel hmm maybe this wasn't God's fault maybe he's not mad at me maybe it's just nature and maybe those two miscarriages were a part of the plan I don't know what the plan is but maybe it's a part of my story even though I don't understand it. So my heart started to open back up a little bit again. And we decided to go back to church. And I decided to go up front for prayer. And then my husband went with me. And the pastor brought up some other ladies that had experienced uh, miscarriages. And then more women came. And then it became this Every, I mean, I don't even know how many people came around me because I was bawling my eyeballs out, standing in front of the church, asking for prayer. All I remember is so many different hands on me and so many people I'm hearing, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes. And everyone's in agreement with the pastor. And then when I left that day, I remember thinking, wow, I just healed a lot more. And my hope was, was reignited. And so Chuck and I went, went home and we're like, okay, are you ready to try again? Yeah. <laughs> we're like scared, but you know, let's try again. 
then this time around, it took almost a whole year for us to get pregnant. And so I started to lose hope. Maybe we can't have a baby together. I still remember this one day at church while, while we're in the middle of trying. So it had been months. My oldest son, I think it was either my oldest son or my middle son. He brought home a Bible verse. It was a Bible verse of, of the day. And it said, see, I am doing a new thing. Can you not perceive it? And even though that verse was for him and his little study group, mm-hmm. I felt like it was God talking directly. I mean, we can't normally hear an audible voice, but yeah. <laughs> in that moment, I felt like God was talking directly to me through that verse. Yeah. And so that verse gave me this faith that I have never had this assurance and a knowing that we were going to have a baby. Mm-hmm. So I get pregnant with Josh, who's downstairs sick, by the way, <laughs> he's all sick today. Uh, we get, we get pregnant with Josh and I was sicker than a dog. I was so sick that we went to the hospital and I had to get a pick line put in me. It ended up going right here. A constant, a constant dripping of IV fluid. I had to walk around with a bag, drag it around. And my husband, Chuck, had to put uh, nausea medicine. It was the same medicine that they give cancer patients. It was like that strong because the other ones weren't working. And so he became my nurse the entire pregnancy. I had to wear that thing all the way until I was maybe seven months, I think. And then they came and pulled it out at home. And then Josh was born. So everything was great during the delivery and everything. And we went all the way up to, you know, our first appointment with my gynecologist who was, you know, going to release us to have sex again. (laughs) And so we get there and she says, yep, everything's great. You know, go at it. You guys can go and, and, and have sex again. So I'm like, yay. And so I planned like this amazing romantic dinner and this amazing time my mom had taken the kids to uh watch over her house (laughs) i got myself all dolled up in like the cutest little red and black i love red and black so this cutest little red and black uh negligee got my face on my hair done everything i come downstairs and my husband he notices me he goes you know like ooh, you know But then here's the thing that happened. I approach him exactly the same way as I had always done for years, years. Came up to him, put my leg on top of him. I start, you know, feeling him and I start to kiss his neck. All the things that he loves that turned him on so much in the past. But what he did, instead of embracing me and being excited about our time together again, like I was, yeah, he took my body, picked me up and put me to the side and then put me down with no Ooh. words, nothing. And so I was shocked. I'm like, what just happened? And I said, are you okay? Like, you know, I got myself all dressed up. Yeah. Like, I'm like so excited. <laughs> and he said, Nope. I'm just not in the mood. Sorry. I was like, Oh, bum, bummer. You know? So I go up, take off my makeup. I'm a little teary eyed. Not, not that much. Cause you know, it hurt my feelings a little, but it was more like disappointment. Yeah. Then a couple of days later, I decided to try again. 
same thing. And that started this pattern of me wanting sex. Yeah. Approaching my husband. And then my husband saying no. And then me asking him, why don't you want sex? And then him saying, I don't know. I'm Mm -hmm. sorry. I don't know. I'm sorry. I don't know. I'm sorry. This is all I ever got, Teresha. That's it. Yeah. I don't know. So of course, as a woman who just had, you know, these two miscarriages and then finally having his baby thinking it must be me. This is what women do. We start going in. If we can't get an answer and we're trying to figure it out, it must be like, uh, it must be that. It must be my, my new um, stretch marks. Uh, Mm -hmm. He must not like maybe him seeing the baby come out. Like now he's turned off by my vagina. Like I was just trying to figure it out. I could never, I asked him, is this what it is? Is this what it is? And this went on for months and years, you know, Yeah. (laughs) condensing 12 years, but this went on. Is it this? Is it this? Is it this? And him saying, no, it's not that it's not you. It's not you. It's me and all of that. But he would never like open himself up to it. So that went on for 12, 12, 12, 12, 12 years. Very, very, I mean, I can't even describe the frustration, you know, part um, of that. So this went on until this one day I read in scripture that it's better to live on a rooftop of a house than with a nagging wife. Okay. (laughs) So, So when I read that verse, I'm like, oh, crap. Because that showed me that while my heart had good intentions Mm. of wanting to have this conversation with Chuck and to figure us out, he took it as pressure. Okay. He took it as something's wrong with me as a man because I am not getting hard and all the things I don't want. Like, what's wrong with me? So that's how he was in his mind. And of course, I didn't know because he wasn't sharing it. But when God showed me this verse, the very first thing that God said is stop the conversation. He already knows. 12 years. He already knows. He knows how you feel. You don't need to bring this up. He's not a little boy. You're not his mom. You don't need to make him feel like crap. You know, like put your, you haven't put your clothes away yet. You know, like (laughs) with our kids, like your husband is not a little boy. He doesn't need to be told over and over. So that was the first thing that I did is like, I'm going to stop having this conversation and I'm just going to allow God to do his thing. And that's wow. What I did. You took your hands off the control. Yeah. Now tell me, and firstly, I really want to witness that journey that you have shared with us because it's incredibly inspiring and deeply moving as well. I cannot imagine what it felt like to have two miscarriages and to experience that grief that comes alongside of that, let alone trying to to nurture a relationship as well. You've got two people experiencing very traumatic experiences, um, what you went through. And I can only imagine that that was hugely impactful on on your husband's uh, belief about himself, about the, the, um, like the attachment as well and the connection that he had with you. Like it probably would have some sort of bearing on that too. So you moved to that point where you got that scripture, you took your hands off the control, you stopped 
nagging. <laughs> you stop nagging your husband. Now, how quickly, how quickly did your sex life recover after that? Hmm. Well, what I noticed right away was that he started to come home on time from work again. So there was an avoidance mm -hmm. practice happening there at that time. Interesting. Okay. I didn't know. I didn't know. He would just tell me I got to work late. But what I didn't know was he was so tired of, you know, this nagging conversation that he just felt this pressure every single time of being in my presence that that's where the conversation was going to go. Okay. Yeah. So when he started to notice that that conversation wasn't happening. <laughs> yeah. Without even him asking me about it. You know, he didn't say, I noticed you haven't asked me. He didn't, nothing. Mm. It's just all of a sudden I noticed that he started to come home earlier from work and that he was open to sitting on the couch with me before what he would do is he would come home and he said, I need some time alone to just decompress from my day and everyone else's energy at, at work and my boss is an ass and blah, blah, blah. Mm. So I took that for what it was. I thought, okay, you know, I, I, I get it. But what I noticed was he started to come home earlier yeah. and then he didn't go into the garage. He would sit, sit by me, sit by me. He would grab my hand and, and he was taking the time to ask me how my day was. How were the kids? Did they mm. give, you crap? give you crap today? Is there any, you know, parenting I need to do? Yeah. <laughs> and he became interested. Yeah. He became yeah. interested in Heather. Heather is a person again, mm. and that's how it started. So it wasn't the sex that came back right away. It was the emotional connection and the non-sexual touch. Yeah. So there was more of snuggling. If we were watching movies, he started to pull me closer to him again and, and have me lay my head on his chest and, uh, you know, grabbing my hand. Yeah. He was doing more thoughtful things for me around the house. If he noticed I was on my period, let's say. Yeah. He was bringing me home flowers. He was bringing me home chocolate. So he, he started to invest again in my care. He started to nurture me as a woman. Mm. And that really spoke volumes to me. And it showed me that I was on the right track. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Those are huge signs is that closeness, that intimacy, because yeah. intimacy isn't just about sex, of course. And the intimacy is the closeness that you yeah. feel with somebody. And slowly he was bringing back that closeness while within the distance. And it's interesting because when you were speaking, you were talking about like nagging like a mom, you know, when you're on your kids, like, you know, have you done this? Have you done that? And it's almost as if like when you stop nagging, you did become Heather the wife again not even like Heather maybe the mum it might have been coming over a very motherly energy by the the nagging for example yeah. that was going on during that time yeah. so again, I, I was clueless yeah when I would go to bible studies they're like well have you talked to him yes will you talk to him again yes okay keep talking to him so this is the <laughs> advice that the church gives too is <laughs> yeah you know if, if something's not happening you have conversation but they don't share when does it hit the nagging point they mm. never talk about that <laughs> yeah so I, so I had no point of reference I didn't know what I was doing I thought I was doing the right thing <laughs> oh I, I, absolutely and then it got to the point where you received the message and it was like just maybe do something different yeah. so let's say um the definition of 
insanity isn't it by Einstein if you keep doing the same thing over and over again you get the same result so it's about just switching it up so just to go into a little bit more that first occasion when you had sex with your husband again after 12 years was it like the most incredible experience for you yep yeah yeah because it's interesting when there's different seasons of marriage there's that honeymoon season and then there's we're trying to make a baby season Mm -hmm. so a lot of times after the trying to make a baby season because you made it all about ovulation and and yeah an appointment of when we need to have sex right now (laughs) you know you do tend to take off the spontaneity and um the adventure (laughs) and the passion like a lot of like you know, where you see each other across the room and you're like, damn, <sighs> you look incredible. Oh, yeah. You start to get, you know, the wetness and you're like, I need you yeah. right now. Yeah. <laughs> so all of that seems to go away when your focus is the kids. So what I noticed is that started to come back. Mm. And he was saying that to me, too. And then he might kill me for saying this, but I don't care. This is gonna, This is going to help people. <laughs> So I started to notice that when he would see me, that he started to get a little going. So I started to notice that again, that got me so excited. He still wants me because for so many years, I I thought he doesn't desire me anymore. And I was questioning my womanhood and my femininity and Mm. all of that. And so when I saw that he still wanted me, oh God, like even just talking about it, I get the little like goosebumps. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. like it makes me look forward to when he comes home in a couple hours. <laughs> <laughs> so I started to notice that. And then he started to notice. Mm-hmm. And so we didn't make a plan. I, at first I thought we needed to make a plan. Cause I'm like, this might be awkward. Cause we haven't come together in like so yeah. long, but we didn't need it. Yeah. It was just our, both of our bodies knew it's time. Like we're both ready. And because we had reestablished the emotional connection and the romance, there was a lot of romance that was happening and the non-sexual touch because we had done all of that. Yeah. I believe that when we did finally come together, it made the pleasure mm. and the climaxing. Yeah that much stronger because I remember when we climaxed it was shortly after one or the other it wasn't right exactly but it was shortly like we're kind of on the tail of tail end of it (laughs) but the soul experience the soul connectivity and the god in that moment that we both felt the intensity yeah of coming back together and having grown through this whole experience was so much better than when we even got together the first time. <sighs> it was way better. And it still continues to be like this teenage, I'm craving you as a person. Yeah. Even just craving the physical act, but I'm craving to be near your soul on such a deep vulnerable level and I know that that deep intensity that I feel is when our clothes are off and we're in our special place in our room and we can just fully see each other and be seen 
I mean, we never had that in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's amazing. <laughs> it's incredible. Gosh. It's so deep. Just the way that you have described it right there, it's so deep. It's not just the act of having sex, but everything you spoke about, like it just permeates the depth of your soul, just that connection. And I would imagine that sometimes that could be the reason why people maybe fall into maybe a sexless marriage or something changes or it doesn't quite get there in the first place. It's because of that depth and that connection. So just... Bouncing back on you being a believer and some of the maybe the myths and misconceptions that may come as part of you know, being a person of faith. What are some of the, the myths and misconceptions that you would say or stigmas that yeah, you like, see? Yeah, like taboos, right? Like the, yeah, taboos. Yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> there are several of them. So, and these are still taboo today, by the way. Yeah. It's very odd still to find a progressive church that is open to having the sex talk in the premarital counseling session. Yeah. So just talking about sex in itself, in general, is still very, very, very taboo. Mm. So again, there's still not a lot of those conversations happening. Uh, it's still talked about amongst Christian circles that self-pleasure is ungodly, unclean, that you're opening up demonic forces if you do it. There's so many different thought processes like that. And so that's a huge one. The other one is booty sex. Mm -hmm. Still <laughs> very, very taboo. Now, these two things, what I have heard in the church myself and then what other couples that come to counsel with me is my pastor says that this verse correlates with the why behind us yeah. not being able to touch our own self or mm. open ourselves up to booty sex. Mm-hmm. Now I say to them, okay, I understand because I heard the same thing. Have you yourself opened up those scriptures, read in context what the whole chapter is talking about? Yeah. Are you getting a sense yourself that, you know, God says that's not okay? Or do you feel a no? Do you yeah. feel in your own spirit, God does not want me to do this? Or is it another person's voice in your head mm -hmm. that has made you feel uncomfortable and that created a deep belief that you need to now deprogram yourself from? Okay. A huge part of the work that I do is, is helping couples <laughs> to yeah. deprogram some of these belief patterns because they can get in the way of our, our pleasure. And every single time that I ask a couple, they say, no, I have not read that myself. I have not gone back to the original text, the original language to see what it is that they're even talking about. I said, go do that first. Yeah. And then come back and tell me what your personal feelings are after you've prayed about it, ask God to shine his light on the word. Mm-hmm. They every single time, and I've been counseling couples now for over 10 years. Yeah. 
every single time they're like, Heather, it doesn't say anything about not being able to do that. Mm. Why, why is the, I said, I don't know. It's gotta be their own thought process, their own personal experience. They might not be comfortable with their own sexuality themselves. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so this is how I help couples to set themselves free because our relationship with God is personal. Mm. You have a relationship, your own. I have my own. Some people choose to not have their own. That's totally fine. Wherever you're at, yeah. you, you need to be honest with, you know, your own walk in that way, spiritually. Mm. But if you're still wanting to be engaged with God and understand what his word says, he wants us to test and see what, what is true and what is false. But, you know, we have to do that for ourselves, which is why he gave us our own minds and our own spirit and our own personal connection with him so yeah. that we can come to that solution and, and that final answer for ourselves. I did mm. it and other, you know, I help other couples to do that too. That's a lovely process that you walk the couples through in order to get some context and to see it from their own perspective too. And to use their discernment, I would say, in terms of what what resonates and what doesn't resonate with them. So they may, for example, make a decision to say, natural facts, I see it different to what my pastor has said. No, we see it different as a couple. How can you move them from not feeling guilty about that or for dropping the shame around that? Is there a process that you can help them to feel more comfortable about that sexuality part? Mm -hmm. Well, the, the guilt and the shame come from belief systems that have been put on us from a very young age. Mm -hmm. We might have heard some of these things in our mother's womb. We might have heard them from our mother or father themselves, grandparent, auntie, pastor, group leader, whatever. Mm. So we hear these thoughts, we hear these belief systems, and because we love the people that are in our life, and we know in our heart, they wouldn't steer us wrong. Yeah. Why would they tell us something wrong? Why would they tell us something that's not good for us? They love us, right? So yeah. it makes sense for us to believe them. That's why it's so easy to believe them mm. and not question it. Yeah. When process is given unless it's some work that you've already done on yourself around your sexuality and god has already showed you these things that we're talking about today if you hear something that's wrong and you're like what that's not wrong because maybe you've already done this you know done a lot of this work <laughs> yeah so i think just having that awareness mm. of when the thoughts coming up what is it that is making you feel guilty what did you just hear what did you just feel that now you're feeling guilt and shame? Yeah. Let's get to the root cause. Is, yeah. is that your belief? Is that someone else's belief? Maybe it was someone else's and now you've adopted it as yours. So it feels like yours. Mm, yeah. <laughs> there's, so much, there's so much to this. There's so uh, this, this question that you had, there's not really an easy answer but i will say that each person in this planet if they're wanting to unleash and unlock a lot of these belief systems that just aren't serving them anymore this is a very healthy process to go on is just to start asking who told me this mm. and yeah. do i really believe it or is it their thought yeah that 
creates an openness for you to believe something different. Yeah. Yeah. But if you don't have those questions and you're like, this is how it is because my mom said you're going to be very closed and you might not be ready for the work, you know, quite yet. Mm. Well, that's that question. <laughs> oh, well, absolutely. Those are really powerful questions to ask yourself because it means some self-inquiry and some internalization too that comes from it. And, you know, when I'm working with my clients too, I ask them, you know, what else could be true? You know, to have them think differently, to reframe the thoughts around what could be causing the shame. But then again, as you said, it can stem back to childhood. So it's some some deep work, some deep inner work or inner exploration that is needed so when you are dealing with couples or even women for example I know you help people to release their sexy confidence oh my goodness what hey at least they want to like shimmy shimmy no exactly let's release it yeah so what does because I can imagine that confidence looks so different for many people what's confident for me might not be confident for you but what are the few things that we could do in order to help us to release that sexy confidence what does that look like (laughs) (laughs) well like you said it's going to be different for every person yeah I truly believe uh there's a process to this Uh, and I'll tell you a step-by-step that I take my clients through so I, they say, I'm not confident. Yeah. I don't feel sexy. I don't feel confident. Okay. So like your word, let's explore that. Let's, mm-hmm. let's, just be, let's just be curious. So why do you think that you aren't feeling sexy, that you aren't feeling, or maybe in your, sometimes they say, I can't. So why yeah. do you feel like you can't? And so we're going backwards first. So we discover where it started from. Okay. So we found out, I'll just give you one example of a client I worked with recently. Her ex-husband was a huge narcissist, very controlling. He did not even want her to leave the house. He didn't let her see her family, Mm -hmm. never let her go anywhere. He said, I'm the only man that will ever love you, that will ever accept you and all of your all the negative things. So he was only telling her negative stuff every day. She finally gets out of this relationship. There's a period of time and then she meets her new husband who she's now married to. Now, because most of us as Christians, again, are are not told we should go to therapy, you know, yeah. therapy tends to be off the table. We're not aware that what happened in the past is going to affect a future relationship. We're not told that. We don't get it. We just don't Mm -hmm. get it. So she gets married to this lovely man. He's amazing. He loves her kids. He treats them like they're his, his amazing man, very open, very giving her compliments all the time, telling her how sexy, telling her how hot she's not believing it. No, I'm not. My ex-husband said I was a piece of crap. Yeah. He said, look at that fat by your bra line. So gross. Mm. So she's not even believing her husband who has never done anything to show her that he doesn't feel in the way that he says. But she's having a hard time believing it for herself. So in this process of working together, I show her 
Has he given you any reason to make you feel like you're not loved or sexy or cut? No, never. So is it possible that how you're feeling today has nothing to do with your husband now, has nothing to even do with you as a person right now. It has everything to do with this previous man that put all of these thought processes on you. And so then of course, you know, there's tears and Mm. oh my God, yes. So first we have to have a person recognize it's coming from, they need to have that aha of where the root cause is. You have to have that light bulb feeling where it's kind of like a, you feel a whole energetic experience Mm. from the light bulb moment where you get the goosebumps and you're like, oh, oh." like I'm doing it to myself right now. Like I'm feeling feeling all the goosebumps. So once I can get a female or a male to this point, then I could say to them, are you open to believing something new? Mm. Are you open to believing or creating more positive thought processes about yourself they, they always say yes then we go on the work of that this could be different for every single person so I'm, I ask them what are you comfortable with <laughs> in your mind at your highest sexy confident self if there was no guilt no shame no words from anybody in your past what would you be doing mm. what does that look like for you because I, I can't tell them what that looks like they have to yeah figure- so for some ladies, they're like, oh, I just want to dance like you. Like, I want to <laughs> put heels on. I want to go to a heels class. I want to roll around on the ground, spread my legs, feel yeah. comfortable touching my body, be very sexual in the dance. They want that. Say, okay, I, I can teach you that. I'm a dance teacher. I'll gladly mm-hmm. teach you. <laughs> yeah. I'll gladly teach you all of the routines I've ever come up with and choreographed. <laughs> So that, that for some women and men, because some men really like to, they want to learn how to strip for their wives. So some men really mm-hmm. want to do. So sometimes it's dancing. Sometimes in their highest confident self, they imagine themselves getting up onto stage mm-hmm. and leading an amazing talk at their work. They want to be the leader of the pack at work. They want the raise. They want um, the new position. They want to be in leadership. They want the car. They want the bank account. They want the travel. So it just really depends. But I need to get them thinking about that and fantasizing Mm. about it and getting excited about it and putting themselves in that future self. And then I'll say, okay, now we know where we're going. Now let's get get to the process of how we're going to get there. And depending mm-hmm. on their personality, that looks different. I have several different modalities that I use. It just really depends on the person, where they live, their uh, background, if it's Christian or not. So yeah. that part in the middle, <laughs> mm-hmm. that, that's going to look different. But no matter what it is that, that you know, them and me, we choose together, uh, it works every time. Oh. I never have anyone coming back and asking for money. Nothing. Yeah. I mean, I get people quick results, boom, 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 boom. And they're living their best life within mm. a matter of weeks, sometimes, yeah. sometimes days, depending on how fast and open that they are to receive the work. Mm. And it's like being open to receiving the work, because I have to say, Heather, one of the things that drew me to connecting with you was your dancing. Like, 
<laughs> on your videos and then I saw as well because you have that taboo you have that stigma I thought look at this Christian sex coach moving <laughs> her body <laughs> so beautifully I was like wow Zara I need to have a conversation with you and yeah. a lot of what you're saying now which I absolutely loved as well is like the inner confidence because on the outside you can say okay what does it look like like what might you be wearing? What might you be doing? But what I'm hearing you saying is that actually it's the mindset piece behind it. It's the, and how are you going to feel? What is that, what's that feeling for you when you are your highest confident self? So that takes definitely a lot of exploration there to get there for it. But then I love what you're saying. It could be dancing. It could be moving your body as well, going for that top paying role, the fantasizing, the visualization, it's, it's really powerful, actually. The imagination is so powerful for us to manifest and to attract what our desires are, what our goals and our dreams and the desires are. That's so, so amazing. Something that you were saying there as well that I wanted to just jump on is when you were talking about your your husband and he was also going through his whole, because we're talking about confidence here, and he was going through that whole kind of like, now, am I am I good enough? Like yeah. for you, and you was also experienced in the same, but there was no communication there between you. Now, on reflection, what would you say has been some of your your key learnings, your growth experience during that time for you? What did you learn about yourself during that time? Girl, I'm still I'm still learning. I'm we're never done. We're never done until. We yeah. get home. You know, one of one of the the biggest things was is I thought I could control everything. I thought I could create this bubble of experience where I would never have marriage problems, and that mm-hmm. my kids were going to be these perfect kids if I had them in church. Yeah, that is that is something that got debunked <laughs> very very quickly. And so what I had to realize was, you know what? We only think that we're in control. We There's this facade mm. that we can create, that we make ourselves feel comfortable with life. And we can put a bubble around us so we don't get hurt. But that is all a lie that we are telling ourselves because... God, if you believe in God, sees and knows our beginning until end. He knows what needs to happen next for us to get to the next point that, mm-hmm. that we go to in the next point. And so while we think that we're trying to control all these things so that we don't get hurt and they don't leave and I don't get rejected and whatever, sometimes in order for us to get over here we need to be rejected or abandoned or made to feel like crap Mm. god knows that those situations will grow us into a better human being yeah understands that hey i'm just out here doing the best that i can and really i'm just on this experience that god is allowing in this time and place and he has put all of these gifts inside of me and you and each person that's listening. And in order for us, oh my God, I'm going to cry. 
in order for us to truly walk out God's plan for our life, he knows that we need to go through a bunch of crap. Our Mm -hmm. life needs to explode. It needs to be out of control in order for us to have some painful experiences and then we learn from them and then we grow and then we get to the other side and that's where our pain then turns into our purpose. Mm. But we couldn't get there until we went through that thing. So the biggest thing that I have learned, Teresha, is like as painful as those 12 years of no sex, as painful as those 12 years of feeling rejected and abandoned by my own husband, that those feelings created in me a memory of my dad Mm. packing up his own driving away from my mom when they got divorced. That is where my abandonment from a man started. Yeah. So my 12 years of sexlessness showed me that I was not healed from that experience of my dad leaving. Yeah. So God used those whole 12 years to take me all the way back to my childhood to heal from that, which then brought healing to my marriage, which then turned into me being able to help other people. Mm. As a coach, we're always doing our own inner work too and in hindsight you look back and it's not a linear it's not like you you plan it's how it's going to be but in hindsight when you look back you think okay the dots do connect it does make sense and what you're sharing there too about just the abandonment possibly even rejection like these wounds that we have from childhood from your father um did have an impact and a bearing on your relationships you know, going forward. And it can have a bearing on our attachment styles at all and what we what we feel. So I'm not sure whether because of that situation with your father, that what happened is that you became like an anxious attachment style. Is that fair to say? No, I have that. I still, it's still there. Well, once you have that style of attachment, that will be your most one that you recognize you can still work through and become a more secure attachment mm-hmm. through a lot of you know working yeah. on yourselves, but you can still be triggered and self-sabotage to go you know right back if we're not in an alignment and awareness uh, every single day but yeah I I was just out here looking for someone to really love me <laughs> and I was doing that through a bunch of sexual experiences not knowing that that was the style that that I had Mm, yeah and it's getting comfortable with it so now just looking back on love as well because this in the conversation is about sex it's about love it's about intimacy all of that juiciness and deliciousness there I am really curious to know Heather what is your definition of love in terms of romantic love romantic love okay yeah well for me it was when we were talking about that soul connectiveness, mm-hmm. that is my definition of real, like real love. Yeah. Because 
I, I've been falling in love with you since I met you, but that's a different type of love. That's more of a friendship and admiration of what you do in this world type of love versus being romantically involved. Yeah. You know, with, now, I've been romantically involved with several men over the years. And I felt love. I said, I love you. They said, I love you. I was engaged a couple of times before I got married the first time. So I felt a lot of love, but that now that I've experienced what I've experienced with Chuck, to me, I'm like, whoa, I didn't really know what that deep level of love was until we went through all of the gunk that we did. And we got stronger as a couple and more solidified. And then we, our souls imprinted. Yeah. That to me is the ultimate love that I would love every single one on the planet yeah. <laughs> to experience. But it also comes with a relationship with God. Mm -hmm. So there is a Trinity. There's the woman, the man or woman, woman, whatever, however you identify and then God is the center. And in Ecclesiastes, it talks about how a cord of three strands is not easily broken. So that is one person, the other person, and then God as the center. And when you have a relationship like that, yeah. that type of a relationship is unstoppable. That's when you're making impact. Mm -hmm. And that is where a relationship just from living together and showing your real selves out into the world you can impact people your neighbors they could they could watch chuck and i you know walking by holding hands and thinking wow i want that kind of closeness so we never really know how we're you know helping other people as we are yeah. living our best life but i would say the soul connectedness with god at the center that to me is the the ultimate romantic type of love that you could possibly uh, get you. Yeah. Oh, I love that. No, I do love asking these questions to my guests because each answer is so different. And <laughs> it is so different. And it's why, awesome. yeah, it really is because then the way that you're sharing that as well will resonate with so many people in terms of that deep soul connectedness with somebody. Mm -hmm. And of course, you've spoken about you know, being a Christian sex coach. What I'm hearing is, however, that you don't just work with Christians. You work with, yeah, you work with people who aren't of a believer as well, which is, yes, yeah. which is yeah, awesome. As a matter of fact, uh, I advertise Christian sex coach because that's my background and I truly understand the Christian community. And so I will make a huge impact. I, I My goal is to impact over 3 billion Christians in the next 10 wow. years. That's a goal that I have. Yeah. I'm going to get there. And that's going to take, you know, other people coming alongside of me and us doing it all together and us going and talking to churches and being like, we need curriculum. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we need curriculum. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, like that's that's a huge goal. That's a huge, huge goal of mine. <laughs> that is so, so much. And you will achieve it. You will. That's something oh. that's completely yes, different. I, work with everyone. I have clients that are agnostic, atheist, Jewish, uh, nothing. They don't identify with anything. Yeah. You know, they they just can tell, oh my gosh, we're we're experiencing something that's not right in our relationship. Heather, I'm really comfortable with her. Let's go and, and talk to her. Mm, that's so good. So in terms of the whole the sex topic as well, for people who are listening to this um conversation, 
if there was one thing that they could do right now to kind of start them back on the sex process or to help them just feel comfortable with sex, what could they do? Oh my gosh. I love that you're asking this. Okay. So I always bring everything back to scripture. Yeah. Get that when, when you, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so I would say in order for a relationship to be impacted in a positive way in the bedroom, case okay, man, wife, whatever that looks like, whatever dynamic, you have to get comfortable with yourself first. Like you have to own your own sexuality. And if you don't know how to do that, just spend some time with yourself. And if you need help, then you can come and ask me and I'll. <laughs> there I'll we go. Yes, I, I equate that back to Psalms 139. Okay. God says that we're fearfully and wonderfully made and that he was there when we were knit together in our mother's womb. Mm-hmm. Now, what that tells me in the area of sexuality is if God made me on purpose, my hair color, my hair texture, my mm-hmm. skin color, everything about me is on purpose what I desire. Okay. What turns me on? Yeah. What, what I need to happen in the bedroom for me to have a climax, Yeah. different fetishes, different fantasies that I need to fulfill. If that's in here, if that's in me, then that means that God has put that himself on purpose. And when you can come to that realization that everything about you is on purpose, mm. the faster you'll be able to own your own self, because now that's your own truth. That's your, your sexual truth. Okay. Then you will be able to in confidence, because now you've owned it. You believe this is me. Yeah. Now in confidence, you can go and speak it out loud to the people in your life. Oh, Wow. Now, everybody, just let that marinade. Listen to what Heather just said there. That was absolutely beautifully spoken there. Absolutely. Take that as a key takeaway. Normally, I would say towards the end of the discussion, can you leave our listeners with one key takeaway to help them on their life, love, and no journey? However, I feel like what you've shared there possibly is a one key takeaway. Not unless you have... (laughs) That you've left there. Not unless there was anything else that you would love to share with the listeners to help them move forward too yeah no, I, think, I, I feel like we've tapped into yeah. every single you know good thing as god says <laughs> <laughs> no absolutely i loved what you said there and you know heather i really have enjoyed this conversation so much we've touched upon so much gems nuggets And I'm just hoping that everybody who's listened to this can start to feel more comfortable with their sexuality, to feel it's okay to explore it, to be inspired and touched and moved by your incredible journey as well. You've had so much growth and so much learnings from that experience as well. And so many people are going to take that same learnings and be able to apply it to their world. So thank you so much for the conversation, Heather so welcome it's my pleasure it's my pleasure (laughs) oh pleasure exactly it's my pleasure now everyone go pleasure yourself (laughs) so heather if people would love to reach out to you follow you um connect with you can you let us know where they can find you any links and any events that you have coming up maybe that they'll be interested in 
course. Thank you. Well, as a woman of faith, I believe that our sexuality is this beautiful and sacred gift from God and that it is our responsibility to steward the gift as well. And so whether you're single or if you're in a relationship, if you struggle with body image issues, truly loving yourself, if you struggle with past hurts, inability mm -hmm. to climax, maybe you're in sexlessness period, like we were, yeah. or maybe you're just looking to deepen your connection with your partner. My coaching is designed to meet you exactly where you are and help you move forward with faith and courage and so much confidence. Yeah. <laughs> and so if you're ready to take the next step on your journey to sexual empowerment, I do have a free call that you can take advantage of. So just message me either on Instagram, LinkedIn, uh, let's see, I'm on Clubhouse, YouTube, mm -hmm. Facebook, pretty much all the places uh, under Sex Coach Heather is my handle on all those places. And just message me with the word free call and I'd be happy to set up a session uh, with you. Also, what I am newly doing, Teresha, which I'm yeah. so excited about, is I did create a brand new intimacy course for Ooh. people that are newly engaged. So this is going to help you to avoid a lot of these pitfalls ah. that my husband and I went into. So I feel like if I could catch it on the front end and educate and mm. really support and encourage and empower, you know, newly engaged couples that you guys will just have an amazing sex life. So you can reach out to me for information about that. And I can show you where to get that. Uh, just let me know that you're newly engaged. Send me a message and I can I can show you uh, information about that. But I'm also taking it to the churches too. So I created it with the pastors in mind. <laughs> so if you are involved in a church and the sexual conversation is missing mm -hmm. from the premarital conversation, please get in touch with me with your name, your church name, your pastor's name. And I would be happy to be the one, you don't have to do it if you're uncomfortable, to reach out and let them know that this is at least available in case it's something that would help their members. Oh, wow. You have just got an incredible mission. <laughs> you have got an incredible we do. And I'm going to drop all of your, your social media handles into the show notes as well so people can connect there. And um, I would encourage people to really, really connect with Heather because she's got some amazing, amazing coaching and resources for you. So thank you so much for sharing. And once again, thank you for being such a wonderful guest on the show. Thank you. And you're so welcome <laughs> oh thank you so much and for everybody who has listened through this episode i want to thank you for your time for your attention and your energy and until the next episode take great care of yourself and others too thank you so much for listening and we hope you enjoyed this episode now make sure to check out the show notes in the description with all the important links and how to connect with and follow Teresha directly if you are motivated and encouraged after listening to this, please follow and subscribe to this podcast. Hey, and whilst you're there, go ahead and leave a five-star rating and add a review. We would love to hear what aha moments there were for you. And you know that saying, sharing is caring. 
So tell your family and friends about this podcast too. So until next time, take great care of yourself and others too.